Hebrews chapter 11. This is our third week in Hebrews 11, and, and we finally get to some of these characters to think about. And um, this morning we're looking at Hebrews 11 verses uh, 4 through to 7. So we'll read these verses together before we think about this. So Hebrews chapter 11, uh, reading from verse 4. This is God's word. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I don't know if you enjoy watching movies, and, and if you do, what is your, your favourite type of movie to watch? For me, I enjoy a really depressing true story. Um, watching films that are based on true stories, I just can't seem to get into fiction the same way. Now, I have watched some feel-good movies based on true stories also, but most are a little more... Um, tragic. But there's something about true life that impacts us. This week, as I say, we're, we're finally getting to these real life characters in Hebrews 11. Real life examples of faith in God to encourage us to continue in faith. Maybe if you don't enjoy watching movies, you're more of a reader. I actually never read a book from start to finish until my early 20s, when Emma bought me the book Through Gates of Splendor. It tells the story of Jim Elliot, who was killed in an attempt to bring the gospel to Aka Indians in Ecuador. It's the first book I ever read from start to finish, and that book really started me reading more and more. And what grabbed my attention was firstly that it was a true story, but more than that, just catching hold of real faith in a real God that made a real difference 
to real life. And I believe that is how these characters in Hebrews 11 are to impact us today. Now, the three characters that we read about, um, they all have something in common. They were all commended or approved or accepted by God. So we'll take each one in turn just now, uh, and as we do that, strive to make some application to us today. The first is Abel in verse 4. We read, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through faith, he still speaks. So Abel was accepted by God, but Cain was not. Let's turn to Genesis 4 for a moment and read a little more detail to help us understand what is being said here. So if you turn to Genesis 4 and verse 2. Genesis 4 verse 2. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now, in first reading, this may seem really quite unfair. I mean, both men, I guess, made the effort and brought an offering to the Lord. Why was Abel's more acceptable? But was there something about Abel's life that, that, that somehow made him more acceptable or more desirable to God? Why was Abel accepted by God? Well, the writer of Hebrews gives us the answer. By faith. Abel's sacrifice was offered by faith. But but we've got to ask then, well, how did Abel offer by faith and Cain did not? In the verses we read in Genesis, Genesis refers to Cain's offering in the singular, but Abel's offering in the plural. And Hebrews also makes note of the plural. We read that God commended him by accepting his gifts. So we have this distinction made in Genesis and highlighted in Hebrews of the, the, sorry, there's also then a distinction made in Genesis of the quality of the gifts. So first we see this distinction between singular and plural. Then we see a distinction in the quality of the gifts. We see that, that Cain just offered something 
from the ground. Whereas Abel, he offered the firstborn of his flock, in other words, the best that he had. Abel sacrificed in faith. It seems that he gave to God the best that he had, trusting that God would provide for him, that, in fact, God would be able to give to him so much more than he was able to give to God. And Cain did not have faith, We could say Cain did not believe that God was able to provide him with more than what he was able to give to God. Today we would say that that Cain, he he just passed himself. You you know when you go somewhere just to pass yourself. You're not fully there. You're not fully engaged. You're not really sincere in your motive. You go and you spend as little time as possible because you don't feel the person or the event has much to offer you. I think Cain demonstrated something of what Isaiah spoke about when he said that, that men draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And Cain proves he doesn't have faith when he becomes angry. Because if you look at Genesis, God tells him that that he could be accepted. But Cain was so angry, he went out and he murdered his brother. He wasn't willing to listen to God. He knew better. He wasn't willing to have faith in God. 1 John 3 further confirms that Cain did not have faith. There, John warns that the believers, we we shouldn't be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. God approved of Abel, not because his sacrifice was worth more in value, but because he came in faith. And Hebrews tells us that Abel still speaks today. We say that dead men tell no tales, but here is Abel speaking loud and clear today. Back in Genesis again, chapter 4, verse 10, we read, The Lord said to Cain, The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, perhaps speaking of vengeance and justice. Now, Hebrews also refers to Abel's blood in Hebrews 12, verse 24, saying that Jesus' blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, Abel's sacrifice that led to his death, it spoke much more than he knew. Now, living after the fall, perhaps he had some knowledge that that God required sacrifice for sins, although we don't know. But surely the sacrifice points to to the sacrificial system that, that, that God would establish for his people. 
And as we saw in, in our introduction week, that sacrificial system established by God in the Old Testament was to point forward and make way for the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word than Abel. The blood of Jesus cries out to men and women today of forgiveness and acceptance by God. It says, come to God today having faith that Jesus Christ is enough to bring you acceptance and approval by God. Come to God, not having faith in your own righteousness or your own merit or your own behavior or anything else, but by faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, these Jewish believers, the author to the Hebrews was writing to, we have saw they were discouraged and they were weary from Jews who were putting them under pressure to revert back to Judaism. Now, we refer to 1 John 3, um, speaking about Cain murdering his brother. And John follows that by saying, don't be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. These Jews can be encouraged Don't be surprised you're facing persecution. Don't be surprised that that religious people even are putting you under pressure. When that happens, you can know your faith is in Christ and rest, rest that your faith is in Christ. And know too that, that when your faith is in Christ, this will diminish all those other places where people put their faith. This will diminish the Jewish way of life. This will aggravate people. And the same is true for us today. Don't be surprised if people hate you because of your passionate faith in Jesus. But if and when hatred comes, allow it to bring you assurance That your faith is, in fact, in Jesus Christ. And give your best to God. Well, that's your time, your money, your skills, whatever. Not to impress him. Not to gain his approval. But because you know that what you have in Christ is worth so much more than anything you can ever offer to God. Secondly, let's think about Enoch, verse 5. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Enoch is an intriguing character in the Bible. There's very little information about him, 
But we know this unusual fact that, that God took him and um, without him having to experience death. Now the information we have on Enoch is in Genesis 5, just the next chapter after Abel. And Genesis 5 provides us with a list of, of all those generations after Adam. And Enoch appears in this list, but he, he stands out from all the others named. If you look at Genesis 5, you'll see a, a repeated pattern. So it starts with Adam. And when Adam was 130 years, he fathered Seth. All the days of Adam were 930, and he dies. And that list just continues on. So-and-so was this age, and when they fathered so-and-so, they lived a number of years, and they died. So-and-so lived, they fathered, they died. They lived, they fathered, they died. And that's the pattern. But we come to Genesis 5, verse 21. And, and Enoch then breaks this monotonous pattern. We read in verse 21 that when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. And he fathered Methuselah. 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So Enoch stands out in this list of the generations because he walked with God. And we're told twice he, he did not die, but was taken. And Hebrews notes that Enoch was commended by God before he was taken, during his life. And so it seems that, that the writer wants, wants to draw us to walk with God by faith. Walking with God suggests that close and intimate fellowship with God. Think of Adam and Eve who, who, who walked with God in the cool of the evening and what a privilege that was. You see, Enoch didn't just want to know about God. He wanted to know him personally. Intimately, he wanted to be with God. And we see in verse 6 that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, firstly must believe that he exists, and then that he rewards those who seek him. You see, that is true Christian faith. Those who firstly believe that God exists and that he rewards those who have faith in him. 
I believe that 26% of people living in the UK don't believe in God. Now, in first reading, that actually seems quite encouraging. It means that most people living in the UK believe in God, believe that he exists, perhaps believe in some higher being beyond ourselves. Or perhaps, a bit more flippantly, they believe in the man above. But you see, just to believe that God exists is not true Christian faith. Christian faith is believing God exists and seeking his rewards. Christian faith is striving to know God personally. And so surely it goes without saying, as the, the, the writer here states, that without faith you can't please God. I mean, if it takes faith to believe he actually exists, if you don't believe he exists, well then you aren't going to seek anything from him. Enoch did not please God by offering God anything, but by simply accepting and enjoying the privilege that God had given to him of being with God. Do you have faith today that God exists? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that through Jesus you will be rewarded life forever of close fellowship with God, the creator of all? See, true Christian faith is not faith in God or a God, but it is faith in Jesus Christ. And again, for these Jewish believers, the writer wants to encourage them to continue by faith to know God and his presence. As they endure hard struggles with sufferings, being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, chapter 10, 32, they need to know they have the very presence of Christ with them. Isn't that the encouragement that John brought to struggling churches in Revelation? Christ is right there in the middle with his people. Christ has given his people a constant, close relationship with God. One they never experienced before in the old sacrificial system. But Christ came, was sacrificed once and for all for his people, and his people have been brought forever close to God. And so God's people continue to walk close with God by faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder how our lives might be different if we lived with that awareness that we live in the very presence of God, with God. 
How might we deal with temptation differently? How might our experience of suffering be different? May we continue to walk close with God by faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder this morning, do you want to please God? I'm quite sure all of you would say, yes, I do. So how can we please God? What can we give to him? How can we perform? Do you know, if we look at our performance in the past week, we may fear God is not too pleased with us. We don't please God by offering God anything, but simply accepting and enjoying the privilege God has given to us of being with him. God is pleased with us when we're looking to his son by faith who is altogether pleasing and we're delighting in all that he has given us in the Lord Jesus. Now let's think about Noah, verse 7. Look at verse 7 with me. By faith Noah... Being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now we turn now to Genesis 6, okay, just the next chapter again in Genesis. And Noah comes at the end of that list of generations from Adam. And similar to Enoch, Noah also stood out in his time. If if you look at Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, we read that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. So God promised he would judge the world through a flood. By faith, Noah accepted what God said even though there were no visible signs of the flood. Noah believed that what God said God would do and he responded with obedience. We just read that Noah was 
righteous. He was blameless in his generations. In other words, he was different from his generation. He stood out in his generation because he accepted what God said and was obedient to God. And Hebrews tells us that by faith Noah condemned the world. Now when Noah was building the ark, he would have looked ridiculous, wouldn't he? There was no sign of this flood of God's judgment. And you wonder, did, did Noah just become known as the man who was always doom and gloom? The man who always talked about judgment, who could never relax, working away, constantly working on this ark, and, and as people saw him and heard him, they just felt condemned all the time, and they didn't like it. But further, Hebrews says that Noah became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And we, we've already referred to Noah's righteousness, but heir of righteousness would suggest a righteousness still to come. In other words, a righteousness that, that wasn't from Noah. If you turn over to Genesis chapter 7... In the first verse, we read, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your households, for I have seen that you are righteous before me. Some translations say, I have found you righteous. Depending on what translation you have, the point here will be more obvious. But in other words, God saw Noah as righteous, even though he was not righteous. Now, he stood out, yes, from the people of his day, but it wasn't Noah's obedience that would be the reason for his salvation. Noah was not perfect. Okay, don't be fooled by that. You see that very clearly later in the Genesis story. But the emphasis here in Genesis chapter 7 is that God is directing, God is accomplishing what is necessary for salvation. When we look at the prophet Isaiah, he links these two themes together, that is God's righteousness with God's salvation. Isaiah says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord." My soul shall exalt in my God. Listen to this. For he, that is God, has clothed me with garments of salvation. He, God, has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Now, of course, ultimately, this righteousness that, 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 that Noah will, will be an heir to, that the righteousness that is to come, would be the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That every person, past or present or even in the future, desperately needs to be saved from God's judgment. We have sang about it. Jesus Christ is the only safety, the only security for the judgment of God that is still today to come. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 
speaking about the Lord's return. He said, but concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Jesus continues, for as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. And Jesus says, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. See, people don't want to hear the gloom and doom of a judgment to come. No, they want to get on with life. They want to enjoy life here while they can. I was chatting to a friend recently. He was telling me he had been asked to do a youth talk in a church and was pulled up afterwards for speaking about judgments. They said, young people don't want to hear this. They mightn't come back if you keep talking like this. Will you, by faith, accept what God has said? That there is a judgment to come. And will you respond with obedience, warning others of judgment to come? Even if it means you look ridiculous. Even if it means you will be ridiculed. And will you by faith continue to rest on the righteousness that God gives in Jesus Christ? Don't drop your heads when you feel. Don't lift your high head when you do well. Keep your heads firmly fixed on Jesus Christ, his righteousness, and there remain steady to the end by faith. Let's pray together.